Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David Liss, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. Today, I am so excited to speak with my co-host, Andrea Crabtree. Andrea holds a Bachelor of Science. She is a senior professional human resources specialist, um, also holds a PHR in California as a, as a specialty, um, is a certified compassion fatigue expert, and is a certified veterinary practice manager. So welcome, Andrea. It's so good to chat with you. Thanks, David. I'm excited to chat with you as well. Uh, veterinary practice management even deeper into an HR specialty. Is that is that like unfair to say that you kind of have a, a deep interest and in specialty in HR? Yeah, and that kind of came organically. Um, when I first got into veterinary medicine as a practice manager and learning, going through that route of being a CVPM, I, you know, all the different things that we have to do as a CVPM and learn and understand, I realized that like 80% of my time was only 20% of my duties, and that was HR. <laughs> and it sure. was just so time-consuming, all, all this HR, HR, HR. And then the other 20% of my time, I had to like <laughs> cram in all the other tasks, right? Marketing and finance and yeah. you know, kind of all these other things. And so yep. I realized, wow, there's something to this HR bit. Like, I better get my shit together and figure out what I'm doing, especially in California because there's so many laws here. So I definitely yeah. went down that route kind of in a panic almost of I need to know more than... Mm just the scratch the surface kind of thing mm-hmm. you do as a CVPM. So. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, HR creates panic, and I, I think it absolutely does. So you hold um, two different HR certifications from a specific certifying body. The, um, I don't even know what it stands for, but the HRCI, and you can, you know, you can elaborate. But one of them is a senior uh, professional human resources expert, and and how did you obtain that? You know, is there a different? Is, is there a level? Do you, do you have to get one first and mm-hmm. go to the next one? So tell me about that. That's very impressive, by the way. It's really really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So I actually hold three. There's a PHR, professional and human resources, and that's national level. And then after uh, so long, you um, can become a senior professional in human resources. So you put that S in front of the PHR to make okay. it a senior professional in human resources. And quite honestly, that makes me feel old. So instead of saying senior, <laughs> I always say like super, super. There you go. Super advanced. Super, yeah, right. <laughs> I guess advanced is a little bit age related too. How about, yeah, I like super, super professional human resources. Super professional yeah, human resources. Love it. Yeah. And then uh, those are, so those are national and California is the only state that has its own certification uh, just because we do have so many 
rules and regulations and laws and bills and everything else. So it's a PHR, Professional Human Resources, and then the Senior, aka Super Professional of Human Resources, and then a PHR California, so specialty here in the state. And the difference between the PHR and the SPHR is just more knowledge and expertise, but it's really more practical application of those laws. So the PHR is just your, your quick and dirty know, know the laws well and understand them. The Senior Professional and Human Resources, you have to understand how to apply those. So like you mentioned earlier, there's a situation, every situation with every single employee is different. So you have to take law and then kind of figure out the situation around it. Um, and it's more strategic and more planning, more comprehension understanding um, laws and regulations and then applying them to different situations, which I feel like the laws don't necessarily do you any good in veterinary medicine because the staff come in and like you said, just verbal vomit on you, their situation, and then you have to figure <laughs> out like, how do we, how do we make this work? Right. Yeah, I see. So um, if I were to take a stab in the dark here, PHR might be, um, I should say maybe the PHR kind of California level would be maybe calculating a bonus or some overtime knowing that we have over eight and over 40 here versus over 40 nationally. And then SPHR maybe has some piece of California, but it might be related to interpreting wage orders or something where it's more conceptual. Yeah, Yeah, right. Okay. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah, that's the amazing. Test was like 10 times harder. <laughs> ah, interesting. That's incredible. That's a kick that's, my butt. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> oh my gosh. What is it about HR? I mean, you mentioned a little bit uh, that it created anxiety in you. And so therefore you needed to, you know, uh, know more. And, and I'm assuming you meant kind of no more than, you know, probably anybody, right? I got to just know all of it. And so then what, uh, what kind of keeps you engaged and interested in HR? Obviously with an HR certification above CVP, you've got to do a lot of HR um, mm-hmm. continuing ed. So it's a lot mm-hmm, to take yeah. on, right? And and so yeah. what is it about HR that just gets your gets your goat? Well, I think the, the big thing that stands out to me is I love people. I love animals. And that's why I'm in this profession. And of course, a classic interview, you know, we get for for staff in our profession is I just love animals. And, and my response is definitely I love animals. But I also love people. And you know, there's a big chunk of our profession that doesn't say that. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of our profession that does not say that. Yep. But that's as a manager, I also have to love people. I have to love to coach, teach, and train my staff. And if I am not invested in my staff and loving the interaction I have with my team, you know, that's a big chunk of my job. So not only do I love animals, but I love people. And I love developing people. And the HR aspect of it is not just rules and regulations, but it's the interaction, the engagement uh, that I have with teams that are, to me, make me that kind of inner fulfillment and Mm -hmm. um, my little inner child, you know, scream like I'm in a candy store. (laughs) See a staff member that passes their RVT or a manager that I've worked with over the years just get it or even a practice owner Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. they have done something magical because in their practice because of something I've been able to coach them on. It's it's to me that it's that inner fulfillment that makes me makes me giddy. Mm, Awesome. And I loved how you put it uh, about, you know, we think of HR, there's this Facebook group, and I believe a podcast, and I believe a LinkedIn page called the Evil HR Lady. And you you, right. you have to go look that one up. Uh, anybody yeah, on the listening, go look that up. Um, she's actually fantastic and obviously brilliant as an HR professional. You know, you you, put, you get that point of kind of the, you know, you're getting called into the office. And, and, and when yeah. you get called into the office, you're sliding across the desk this pink 
you know, slip a paper that, you know, flip it over and says termination notice, right? right? And, Principal's and office. <laughs> we think that's HR. Yeah, exactly. You just said it perfectly. Like coaching, developing. Yeah. And sometimes coaching means you didn't do the right thing. Coach and you need out to... the front door. Yeah. It, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and I think that that's a really cool thing that HR, I've seen like a real revolution, I would say, in the past maybe five or six years. Yes, it's been so really super recent. recent. Yeah. Yes. And they say coach, develop, train, talent, that kind of stuff. Um, And and part of that is this, you know, employment cycle, right? From everything from kind of recruiting all the way to separation. And that's a whole cycle. And uh, I love that it's gone that direction. Well, and I like to tell managers that as an HR professional, as a person who's an HR, the evil HR lady, I don't ever want to fire anybody. I always want them to self-terminate, right? So I'm going to coach you. I'm going to outline my expectations and it's up to you to meet them. And if you can't, that's okay. Then this just isn't the right place for you. But I never want to fire anybody and I always want them to self-terminate. Like that's the difference of coming in and getting that pink slip of paper versus that person walking in my office and giving me the pink slip of paper. Yeah, what a great point. Hey, you've done all you can do. This is not for me. Good point. Yeah, I heard recently that um, we don't do terminations, we do liberations. So, uh, and I love that too. You know, I've had the same, I'm sure you have had that discussion with employees where I've said, this is a termination. Here's the legal information. And I'm also going to have a little bit of a short discussion with you, which is probably don't want to hear it now, but this is the right choice. This was not the right fit for you. We do wish you the best in a future endeavor. Like it's almost a a kindness, you know, in a way, and and it can be done in a kind, respectful, professional way. So I can't tell you how many times in this, I don't know if this is something I should put a notch in my bedpost or not, but I've had people thank me for firing them. Wow. And that wow. to me is where that's magical, right? That's, where they yeah. are like, thank you so much, um, you know, and, and appreciate that and and realize that like this is not the place for me. You know? that's a, and I'm that's so incredible. glad that you did this. So I've had that happen a few times, shocker myself, but, um, it, you know, it, it does happen when I think that you get to that point when HR can coach, teach and train, develop or coach them out the front door. Yeah, that's amazing. So it sounds like you've had quite kind of the journey uh, as a veterinary practice manager. You found kind of a lane that you find really interesting and and it keeps you engaged. What is, you know, your a favorite book or podcast or conference or, or, you know, some sort of CE course that you've taken that you think really kind of left the greatest impression on you and has really shaped your uh, professional career after you, you know, went through it or read it or whatever it is? I think every time I have either read a book or come home for a conference or gone through something, I always feel like, oh my gosh, that was the best. Oh my gosh, that was the best. And then I read the next pod or read the next book, hear the next podcast. So for me, it's always what's next, what's next. Um, and I have to tell you, you recommended the book the other day by Brene ba- Brown. Dare to Lead. Dare to lead. Yeah. And of course, like while we were talking, I Amazoned it and showed up and I'm like garbling it up right now. Um, so that'll be my next favorite. But right now, I am absolutely loving Radical Candor. And I know you and I had spoke about it. It's That's not a just one. a book, but it is a podcast. And it is so amazing for managers and leaders because it talks about how to be the manager you love, not the boss you hate. And I think that's important because I... I want managers to to be the manager that they want to be and their their teams to not hate their boss. And so many time managers, I, I coach managers constantly that will tell me, 
I, I don't want to be the, the manager or the boss that my team hate. And, and I, you know, we always have that conversation about separating between, um, you know, you can't be friends, you are their boss, but at the same time, you still can be the manager or the boss that they respect and love. And all of us have had those, well, hopefully all of us have had those bosses that we say, this was an amazing boss. I love them. I learned so much from them. Totally. Yeah. And why can't we all strive to be that? And so in Radical Candor, it talks a lot about how to be that boss. And I'm I'm eating it up every morning. I go on a three-mile run, and I cannot wait to hear the episode. I think her name is Kim, and his name is Scott. Mm-hmm. And they have great band. I'm not a big podcast person, but in the last six months, I have absolutely turned into a podcast lover. Um, <laughs> Rachel Hollis with her podcast, Deus. I had gone back to 2017 where she started. Brene Brown, I listened to a few of hers. I have um, Simon Sinek. I I haven't (laughs) haven't started his podcast yet, but Mm -hmm, I know mm -hmm. I will love love him too. We recently saw him in a live event, not just before COVID hit. We went to see him in a live event. He's super fantastic. Yeah. Um, So I feel like anything that I can get my hands on is always like whatever I just finished is my favorite. And then I'll go on to the next thing and I'll eat it up. And then I'll say, oh my gosh, this is just my favorite. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of, of CE journeys along the way and that I can say I, I've gone to this class and it made a big impression on me or this speaker. Um, kind of depending on where I'm at in my career and early on in my career, Sean McVeigh, um, he had given me some advice that had really stuck with me. And I I do a lot of public speaking like you do in one of my um, classes. I talk about how I used to roll my eyes, and that's the silent F you to the person in front of you. Yeah. And I did not know that. And he's like, girl, you need to knock that off. Microaggressions. Yes, big time. So I actually put a mirror across from me on the wall behind me where people would sit and have their, you know, face me. And every time I saw the eye roll coming from my face, I apologized to the person sitting in front of me. (laughs) And of course, they're like, what? 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 Why are you apologizing? I'm like, oh, no reason. <laughs> oh, so that was a, a huge piece of advice for me. And I think yeah. that really opened up my eyes to body language and realizing how I come off and who is listening to me and a little bit more of that self-awareness and things like body posture and eye rolling and tone and tact and just different things yeah. about who I am as a person. I'm a big girl. I got big arms, a big <laughs> voice. I got a lot to say. Yeah. And and I think that can be very intimidating to a lot of people in our profession. Um, well, just a lot of people in general. And so that really opened my eyes up to kind of that body language piece of yeah. the pie. And so that really changed the way I started managing people. And and observing how people react and hear what mm-hmm. I have to say. Yeah. Um, and as a boss, people listen. They watch. And so I, I have to be conscientious of that, that I'm under a microscope 110% of the time. Right. So I have to be conscientious of what and how I'm giving myself off and omitting myself to other people. And so when I admit something, I need to know, like, how is somebody else receiving that? How are they hearing me? How are they seeing me? So that was a big piece, I think, too, that kind of opened my eyes to that aspect of management. Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically speaking about taking ownership for kind of who you are and what mm-hmm. you're contributing to what the um, Crucial Conversations book uh, calls the pool, yeah. shared pool of meaning. Another thing that Sean McVeigh had had um, said in one of his lectures one time too was, you know, you don't get to take up space in my head rent free. 
And I remember clear Ooh, as day he just that was drops at a CVC. Those mics. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was fetch, fetch. No, used to be called TVC. Now it's fetch. I was a conference down in San Diego, and I clear as day remember seeing him. I know what he wore. I knew what he said that day, <laughs> and that really hit home for me because so many times clients or staff or bosses, you know, our practice owners, whoever it is, they come in and they take up space in our head. Absolutely, and it's all night long stewing on what they said, what that client said, how they acted, how dare they? Yeah, and I just couldn't get it out of my head, and it was like you know, anxiety ridden at home and frustrated and angry. And then I would just get so like, I want, why am I still thinking about this conversation I have with this client? Like I'm cooking dinner. I'm with my family. Like you don't get to take up space in my head rent free. It's not okay with me. So that was a really good exercise for me to start realizing, okay, number one, I caught it. I recognized it that I'm stewing on some stupid client conversation or some crappy thing my boss said to me, or, you know, the argument I got in with one of the technicians or whatever it was, like, that's where catching it, realizing and saying, okay, you don't get to take up space in my head and figure out a way to not dwell on it. And I think Mm -hmm. Yelp is a 100% way that managers, we allow that Yelp review to take up space in our head. And we get home and spend the weekend on Friday just wanting to vomit in the trash can all weekend because of that Yelp review. And what are we going to do about it? How are we going to react to it? And they hold us, you know, hostage uh, with this Yelp review, yeah. and it is not okay. It is not okay. No. I'm not saying mm-hmm. not to respond to those. I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't chew on those things and, you know, a little bit of self-awareness. What could I have said different in that conversation? That's a little bit, you know, I'm not. that's not where I'm going with it. It's just being able to say, like, there comes a point in time where you don't get to take up space in my head rent-free. Mm-hmm. So that was another yeah. powerful thing. I remember being a young manager having to learn to kind of toughen up a little bit and say, nope, it's Friday at 5, I'm clocking out. I'm not going to think about that conversation again until Monday when I can actually do something something about it. Awesome. Good for you. (laughs) So you've obviously had a veterinary manager journey, just like I have, just like our guests have, and just like our listeners have. So let's start um, with kind of a negative lens. What is the most epic, soul-shattering failure that you've had? You know, what was the situation um, and what was the impact and, and how did you come out of it? Because obviously you're here, you're breathing, you have a pulse, like you survived it. But, you know, what did it what did it create for you and how did you work through it or get above it or, you know, get crumbled under it? Like whatever happened? Yeah, you know, you asked that. What was it? took like 10 seconds for you to ask that. And I immediately thought of like three or four different things. You know, like <laughs> epic failure. And then you say, and then Don't you let them take up space in like, your head. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> But now I think about it and think, well, I made it through each one of those situations just fine. <laughs> kind of hindsight, right? Like, we all do. It sucked I at the know. moment and it was my <laughs> life was devastated. And I'm a yep. horrible manager. And then I'm like, oh, I, I guess it was okay. Yeah. Um, a couple I could say, you know, they're mistakes where I had terminated somebody and given their final check and we had a new payroll platform. And for some reason, uh, I couldn't figure out how to turn the direct deposit off and I figured it out and I thought I figured it out and all was well. Well, come to find out they had a direct deposit into their bank account of their last paycheck in addition to the last paycheck that I gave them on their last day. So they basically got paid twice. Nice. And we didn't know about it until months later. And then my boss, when he found out, was livid and pulled me into the office 
And, you know, of course I'm getting my ass chewed by my boss about this, you know, $1,500 mistake or however, I don't even know how much a paycheck was, $1,000 paycheck, whatever it was. And I was just mortified, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired over this. This is horrible. I mean, this just sucked bad. And I was like, I'll pay it back. You know, it was my mistake. I'm so sorry. And then the thought process of going around everything that was going on in my life at the time, I um, have a history of um, thyroid cancer and I had just had Mm -hmm. a diagnosis of the thyroid cancer like the two days prior. And um, I had just come out of a super nasty five-year relationship and again, like bad headspace, right? And so my boss knew all of that. And he goes, you know, this happened in January. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That, And I'm just saying this out loud. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Remember it was a couple days after my doctor's appointment. And he looked at me and realized like everything that was happening at that time in my life. And he was like, oh, that's right. And all of a sudden he just had this like overwhelming amount of grace for me and just looked at me and he said, I am so sorry. I even brought this up to you. I can't believe you even had come to work during that period and Uh, you kept it together. Yeah. He's like, I am so sorry. And he gave me like the biggest hug and was like almost in tears out of it. And he was like, this is done. I never want to talk about this again. Oh, and I, I, I'm just like going through that wave of emotion sitting there from, Oh crap, I'm going to get fired. Right. And then have my boss like embrace me and be like, I'm sorry that that time period uh, sucked for you. I shouldn't have even brought this up. I probably just wow. poured lime in a big wound, you know? Oh, geez. Yeah. So in like two and a half minutes of, yep. of you know, just that emotional roller coaster and then kicking myself in the rear end for the next month after that, you know, like <laughs> should I shouldn't have, maybe I should have taken a time off. Maybe I shouldn't have been doing payroll. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a bad manager. I'm never allowed to do payroll again. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and self-doubt, right? That kind of thing. Let's flip this and say, all right, what is your proudest moment of your career in the uh, in the long you know time you've been in this profession? Well, I certainly I remember opening my uh, email um, right after I had taken my CVPM. At the time, we had to fly to take our test. So we, Melissa Tompkins and I, my bestie, we flew to Florida, took our exam, totally thought we failed our exam. I mean, epic <laughs> failure, right? fly home we have to wait 30 days 60 days something like that to get our test results and the whole time just like you know we failed we failed when can we take it again right oh geez and then i opened the email we were supposed to get it in the mail we got an email that said you passed and i just remember the the flood of relief and i started bawling i was crying hysterically and melissa had gotten the email at the same time and she called me and she was screaming and happy and so excited and she heard me bawling (laughs) and she thought i failed and she was so upset because here she is screaming and happy and so excited and i'm you know she thought i had failed and so she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry no i'm crying because i'm so happy and proud and excited and relieved (laughs) yeah and then the second time i think that was probably for me um i had received the paraprofessional award from the scvma mm-hmm. and my fiance was there at the, at the uh, time he's my fiance my husband now and my mom yeah. and my son and we were all dressed up at this great awards dinner and there's you know hundreds of veterinarians there and my colleagues and my friends and my the reps that had supported me and just people through i my journey of being a practice manager and i just remember standing up there and challenging everybody in the audience to say um you know hey i'm up here not because of me but because of my people right mm-hmm. my mom my mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. my family, my my fiance, my kid, my you know colleagues, my friends, veterinarians, practice owners, you know that have supported me, and my reps. I mean, my reps were huge for me. There were so many that were there yeah. that had bought me books for my CVPM and gotten oh, me a job great. somewhere, and you know just supported me emotionally. And I just challenge the audience, like who, whoever you are today and wherever you're sitting today, you got there, you know, off the backs of somebody else. And so I encourage you to do pay that forward, you know, be that to somebody else, you know, have that vet student in your practice and coach them and teach them and mentor them. And if you have another manager that, you know, um, you know, share your books with them, share your resources with them. And, and, you know, if you're a parent, like mentor your kid and encourage your kid to be a mentor and pay it forward. Like we all started in this profession as kennel attendance right like that's how all of us <laughs> right. got our start so don't forget that kennel attendant you know someday is going to be our next SDVMA president or something like that yeah. you know? so so really pay that forward and I was so proud to stand up there and say it's not just me it's everybody that is around me and all my people and so I encourage you and challenge you to you know find out who your people are and then be that mentor to somebody else and pay that forward that's such a great organization we really have a fantastic VMA sorry guys side plug to the Southern California Vet Med Association um, yeah, it's so active it's so organized so supportive of what they call paraprofessionals which are RBTs non-RBTs CVPMs non-CVPMs like everybody that's not a veterinarian mm-hmm. uh, because that's the, the member category and uh, so yeah great great organization yeah so you've been um, a manager and a and an HR professional, been in a very specific industry in veterinary medicine for mm-hmm. a lot of your career, maybe all of your career. So why vet med? You know, you asked me that question, and I think we're going to probably ask that of many of our of, of of our guests. And and you know, it's such a it's a kind of an interesting thing to ponder on because many people, you know, if you're an accountant or you're an HR professional, you actually sometimes transfer, like you learn HR for say, you know, industrials or you go to healthcare or whatnot, or if you're an accountant, you learn how to do accounting for nonprofit or you do this. Mm -hmm. Whereas many of us stay in this little niche of a profession, right? So why that med? What, what, uh, what do you just truly love about a profession? And it just keeps you in it, you know, year after year. Well, I'm going to be corny and say what everybody else says in interviews. I love animals. I was raised around animals. (laughs) I love animals. Animals are my life. I, I cannot imagine a in fact, I 100%, there's never been a period in my life where I have not had not just one, but several animals and not just like a cat or a dog. I've always had like horses or, um, you know, snakes or rabbits or goats or, I mean, you name it. Um, oh my, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Lions and tigers and bears. So I, I feel like for me, I, and I come from a family that is very entrepreneurial. I went to undergrad at Cal Poly in pre-vet And I knew for sure 100% I was not going to vet school, but that's all they really had. And, you know, that was back in the day when they didn't really have managers. It was, you know, the RVT that had been there the longest or the practice owner's wife or the receptionist had been there for 20 years. They were the, quote, practice manager. And so that wasn't really an option for me at that time. At least I didn't know that was an Mm -hmm. option for me. So it was trying to figure out how am I going to to mix and mash up kind of veterinary medicine and my love for animals and be this business minded person. And, you know, how do I blend those two professions together? Because Mm -hmm. for me, they were separate. You know, you didn't own a business Mm. unless you were a veterinarian. Mm. So trying to figure out how to do blend those two together. And so I graduated with my degree in pre-vet medicine and was like, okay, now what? Was not going to vet school, like knew that was not going, uh, not a path I wanted to go down. So I was 
you know, working at a big specialty hospital as a graveyard medical assistant, doctor's assistant. And I started just climbing up that leadership ladder super quick, like supervisor. I think I made supervisor within like the first year of being in in veterinary medicine Mm -hmm. and then went into a practice management position. And then from practice management, you know, you just kept going and kept going and kept going. Yeah. And CVPM, PHR, PHR, California, SPHR, before you know it, I'm like, okay, I got alphabet soup after my name and now I own my own business where I, I was helping not just one practice, but all my friends were calling me. They're like, hey, you have a lot of initials. Hey, you know a lot of stuff. Like, hey, you're a CVPM. What about this? What about this? What yeah, about this? Yeah. And so I was just helping people. All my friends and, you know, veterinarians that I had known were calling me. Hey, can mm-hmm. you help me with this? Or two? And, and, and so I just kind of morphed that into a business. But it was that point where I had to figure out graduating with an animal health science degree <laughs> and knowing full well I wasn't going to vet school, like, hmm, how's this going to work for me? Right, right. And just jumping in, you know, I think that the definition of courage is not the opposite of fear. Courage Isn't and that the being truth? brave is is going into something full of fear and just figuring it out and doing it anyway. So it was definitely a point of graduating college and I was, yeah, fearful. Well, what mm-hmm. the hell am I going to do with this degree knowing full well I'm not going to go to vet school? Like, what? Do, how do I make this work? And at the same time, being true to myself and saying I'm, I, 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 I'm a business-minded person. That's how I think. That's how I yeah. function. Right. And I mm-hmm. think that through the CVPM, it allows managers to um, have have the ability to bring those two passions together, being a mm-hmm. business-minded leader as well as love love for animals. Kind of blending those two passions together for me has been amazing. What is one piece of advice that you hope our listeners get um, from from these podcasts, like what is something that you would want them to take away, you know, in your infinite infinite wisdom? <laughs> yeah, I I would say that my my passion is people, and through that is coaching, teaching, and training. I love those three aspects of veterinary medicine probably more than anything else. I want to make sure that the veterinary profession is better when I leave it, and and to elevate the managers and the practice owners. And the staff, quite frankly, that are in our profession. And if I can set a fire under one manager or even their staff, uh, it just warms my heart. I was at a practice the other day that I was consulting with and the, the brand new receptionist, I'd never met her before. She recognized me and she said, you're the one, you're the one that put on that training with Snow White. And <laughs> I just started beaming like the smile on my face got so big and I said yeah that was that was me that was my team that was D that she was Snow White I said what did you think of that and she says it changed my life in my professional life she's like that six hours made me the best receptionist that I've ever been and could ever be and I was like almost wanted to cry this little gal who's answering the phone has no clue the impact that she had on me when she told me those six hours was most impactful that on her professional career ever and I think that's it that that right there is why Mm -hmm. I'm in this profession because I I put on these symposiums you've attended them six hours of training for one track for managers one track for CSRs yeah and if I can get one CSR to 
to be a better CSR because of the training that we gave. And yes, D. Allen came dressed as Snow White one year to talk to the receptionists that were there. There were 60 of them there and to listen on how they can deliver the Disney experience. Yeah. It was amazing. And that left an impression on that gal, right? She said that was the best six hours of training she had ever received and made her a better receptionist. Like, (laughs) mic drop, that is it for me right there. I want people to walk away and say... I am better at my job because of a piece of information or six hours worth of information that I delivered to them or gave them or a tool that I gave them. So this podcast, for sure, I want this to be a platform that we can deliver to managers that say, here's 30 or 40 minutes of information. Take it back to your work tomorrow and plug it in play. Yep. That sounds like it. (laughs) Our elevator pitch, right? Right. Um, So you are a, you know, you're you're a practice manager. uh, You are a business owner. You don't happen to own a veterinary hospital, but you own your own business. So I would imagine that as a manager, there were a lot of things that kept you up at night. And I would imagine as a business owner, there's a lot of things that do keep you up at night. So what, you know, you're laying in bed, you're, you know, you're tossing and turning, you're trying to get to sleep. That, that mental train is just chugging away, as you mentioned. What is one thing that just keeps you up at night and, and, you know, makes you, you know, chew your teeth? or nibble your lip or whatever you do and uh you know how do you how do you tackle it well I think that goes back to like what stage of my career am I in because that of course then kind of determines what I'm chewing on right so you know when I was a technician it was all about patient care, right? Oh my gosh, did I did I did I do that BG at the right time? Did I give that injection like I should have? Oh my gosh, I forgot the vaccine or you know, something patient care <laughs> yep. related, you know? And then as a manager, it was more of something else business related. Oh my gosh, I forgot to put the food order in or um, you know, kind of those stress triggers. Oh, I gotta, you know, write somebody up tomorrow. Oh, where am I gonna find the next, you know, CSR? I've got to hire somebody quick. So those types of things. And it really goes back to kind of having a, not taking up space in my head rent-free. I've really, really, and I have to give it to my husband. He's really, really been the one that's helped Mm -hmm. teach me how to have more work-life balance. Mm. Because through the last, I've been married about four and a half years now. I've been with him about five and a half years. I have really learned to separate I, I say church and state, right? Really separated work from home. And so in, there's not really a lot that keeps me up anymore. And I've I've definitely dialed that back a lot and learned that. And he's taught me a lot of that because I would just spend hours and hours mulling over things and wake up at three o'clock in the morning and frantically put something together for the person I was going to fire and and panic about it or make a list of all the things I had to do. I kept a journal by my bed in case I woke up at 3 a.m. and had to write down, oh, I got to send this email. And anymore, I've just really gotten away from that where if I wake up in the middle of the night or I'm stressed about something or I'm thinking about something or a client texts me at Saturday at you know 2 p.m. in the afternoon, I just kind of go, all right, well, we'll deal with it Monday. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin my weekend over it. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, I'm not going right. to stress about it. I'm not going to chew my yeah. lip over it. Yeah. Because I, it does nothing but take away from my time with my family or my time to read a good book or my time to watch football or whatever the case may be. It takes away from that. And so I'm not going to do anything about it till Monday anyway. So I'm just going to put a pin in it and come back mm-hmm. to Monday and, and we'll deal with the, you know, the fallout then. But that's a a 
very, very long time in working, and I am definitely not good at it. I was up over a Yelp review this last weekend and was constantly catching myself thinking about it and saying, nope, not this weekend. I'll deal mm-hmm. with it Monday. I'll deal with mm-hmm. it Monday. Mm-hmm. Nice. So. Well, I think that that kind of resiliency is something that does take time to develop, and that's, I think, what a lot of the people who talk about resiliency really hit home is, you know, just because you got knocked down doesn't mean, A, you're never going to get up again. You always get up again. But, B, you're going to get up again stronger, and that process takes time. So I appreciate that for sure. So that kind of leads into the next question, which is, you know, having um, been a manager, I mean, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe even, you know, even Moonlight these days, you've got your own business, you're consulting, you're speaking, you're writing, you're you're learning. I mean, you're taking courses and and advancing your career with new certifications and all of those things. You kind of touched on it, but, but more of a pointed specific question is how do you balance work and life? So not just uh, kind of, you know, bouncing back from uh, something that has kept you up at night, but how do you not let work be your entire life? And what are some, you know, self-care or tips and tricks you have for some of our listeners who struggle with that and feel that they, you know, need to constantly be reading and learning and, and doing all those things. And sometimes it eats into their personal life or they or they let it, you know, and they're trying to figure out a way mm-hmm. to kind of get out of that right. hole. Well, I'll tell you, I came from working at a place, you know, 80, 90 hours a week and had bad manager guilt. If I wasn't there, open to close, and first one to arrive and last one to leave, then then I had guilt. And a clinic that was open late at night and seven days a week, you know, I was constantly at work. And then when I wasn't at work, I was not necessarily worried, but thinking about work. And yep, got to do that. Yep, got to do that. Yep, got to do that. Kind of like my to-do list for the next day. I had a long drive home. So I drive home, I would leave myself a voicemail that said, okay, this is everything you got accomplished today. Good job. Pat yourself on the back. And then this is all the things I want you to do tomorrow. So when I would get in the office the next day, I would listen to my voicemail and I would like pat myself on the back. Good job. I did these five things. And then, oh, I got six more to add to the list. And, And I think that that constant chronic work habit of go, 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 go. You're chipping away at the list and the manager's list is never ending. It's always going to, you add more than you take off a day. That's just how our world works. And manager guilt is real. And mom guilt, I was a single mom for 20 years, like mom guilt is real. Mm -hmm. And so when I met my now husband back in 2015, I guess it was, you know, he works like 7.30 to 3.30 every day. That's it. No work after work. Like 3.30 mm. clocks out, he's done. Like doesn't have anything <laughs> to do. Lucky him. <laughs> right. And that's what I would say. Like, you have the best job ever. And he was like, no, I actually have a normal job. He's like, this is what people should do. Like whenever your day is over, you should be able to clock out and have time for fun afterwards or work or mom or wife yeah. or you know, he's an avid golfer. We love to golf. We love to be outside. I hike with my girlfriends every weekend. Like we should have that time that we have balance. And he, again, goes back to like, he really taught me that there is more to life than work. But for so long, I was getting my career going. I felt like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. And then a boss that's constantly looking at me to say like, did you get this done yet? Did this get just done? You know, manager guilt. Is this finished yet? And it it took me a long time to really figure out that it's still going to be there on Monday. Like, it's not going to change. And if I work till 9 or 10 o'clock tonight, 
there's no reason that I couldn't have done that tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Like there's there, I didn't ship anything off that list I couldn't have gotten to tomorrow. And so I feel like just figuring out that it's gonna be there tomorrow. Like, don't worry. Now, now I, I get it. There are some things that are timely. Like, it, it happens. Like, payroll needs to get done, terminations, hiring, firing. Like, certain things yeah, totally. have deadlines on them. And I get that. But at the same time, we need to really check ourselves when it comes to having a work-life balance. And that's not to say you tell your boss, you know, I'm not answering the call after 5 p.m. Like, that's not <laughs> it. Right, right. But it's making sure that we have time for some self-care. And doing those things purposefully, right? So making sure that we are, are, are choosing the activities in our life with purpose. So I'm purposely going to go on a walk with my girlfriends this weekend. I'm purposely going to make time for church on Sunday morning. I'm going to purposely sit on the couch and do nothing but read a book or watch football with my husband for the day. Um, I think when we choose those things and make space for them – and realize that this is important. We have to do this. I have to choose this. This is what's important to me. Um, and I'm going to carve out time for that because work is still going to be there on Monday. And I think that's how I've really um, swung that pendulum the other way from going working 90 hours a week to now. I really try to f- focus and work about 35 hours a week and, mm-hmm. and not anymore. And when I get to be at that 45, 50 hours a week and I, I can start feeling that that stress and that anxiety of like, okay, I got to get this project done, this project done, and I got to call this client back and I got to catch up on my emails and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then I think, whoa, <laughs> yeah. slow down, Dre. Like, nope, put yourself in check. And so I, I do have to make sure that I'm making good choices for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, David, this COVID thing has really, I think, taught a lot of us how to cut crap out of oh, our lives yes. and does not need to be there. <laughs> oh, yes. Work and personal. <laughs> right. You are absolutely right. And so recognizing that I've cut the crap out, don't let, let it back in and and purposely choose things on my calendar that say yeah. this is good for me to do. It is good for me to go on a hike with my girlfriends on Friday. So I am not going to go into work before 9 o'clock on Friday because right. I am going to go on an early morning hike with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Period. That's right. how that's going to work. Yeah, and I really appreciate a lot of your words to our listeners about, um, you know, that that work-life balance is important and how you found it and how you looked to other people who are working professionals like your husband and say, yeah, work is work, nine to seven or seven to three or nine to three, whatever he does, you know, and then that's it and it's off and how you've, you know, you've kind of overcome a little bit of the, you know, the obsession with having to know everything and feeling like, you know, nothing and it's turning then into manager guilt. And um, even though it might've been, I mean, it may have, may or may not have been productive. I really like the voicemail idea uh, because mm-hmm. then you can just list everything, you know, that's kind of in your brain yeah. spinning on the way home. And then you're like, click that voicemail off and that is the end. And then right. the more morning you revisit. So that's yes. a fantastic idea for our listeners. So, you know, any last words to share? Um, I guess I would just say I'm excited for feedback from managers as they listen to um, some of the content we're going to be bringing them in the future. Um, how, how, did, how did something that we shared with you um, work for you, right? Like, did you try the voicemail thing? Try it for a week and see how it does, right? So if we can deliver content, tricks, tips, information, feedback, books, podcasts, like whatever it is, if we give you something and you say it's an epic failure, this was the worst thing ever, share that, right? I want to hear the feedback. 
And if we gave you, you know, great trick tricks or tips and you just absolutely love something that we shared with you, give us that feedback. Tell us your story. Um, because I think what what we need to realize is as managers, uh, we're not alone, even though sometimes it feels like we're on an isolated island. We we don't get to talk to our practice owner because half the time we're bitching about our practice owner, right? And then the other half, we're, we're going to bitch about our staff and we can't, of course, go to go to our staff and, and, and talk to them. So we need another outlet. We need somebody to talk to. And, you know, my husband doesn't want to hear about it when I get home from work. So... <laughs> So who, who do we talk to? You know, who are our people as managers? And now that there finally is a CVPM, now that we finally have managers, there's a big chunk of managers out there. And so whatever managers are going through, I guarantee somebody else has gone through that already. Don't reinvent the wheel. If you're struggling with something, if you have a great idea, share it with us for us to share with other people. If we've given a great idea that worked for you, tell us about that. If you've had an epic failure, let us know. Like we need to be able to come together and and be the support that we need for each other and share things that work and don't work too at the same time. So I'm I'm excited to hear what our listeners are going to share with us, good, bad, and and everything in between. Awesome. Well, Andrea, I want to thank you for spending time with me today. Really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you, David. I look forward to uh, doing many more of these in the future. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. Social media management and website design by Dog Days Consulting. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree David List and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree David List and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.